All right, so uh, we're continuing on in the series in God's hands. Uh, do you think it's natural to put your hope in things? Do you think it's natural to put your hope in things like, I don't know, a better job, a promotion, winning the lottery, getting pregnant, maybe put your hope in uh, hoping that it's a boy or a girl or hoping that, uh, I don't know, hoping that you don't get sick, possibly. The, I, think it, I think it's natural to, to hope in these things, to hope in things in this world. The question I want to pose to you today is, how do you maintain hope in a world that seems hopelessly broken? seems to me that the things I listed before are hopeless, right? Sometimes you do get the better job. Sometimes you do get a promotion. Uh, if you're the McQuishan, sometimes you do get pregnant over and over and over and over and over and again. Sometimes. But most of the time our hope is, is in hopeless things. And uh, talking to, to parents of teenagers... Um, you know, teenagers that have gone astray, it can seem hopeless sometimes in, uh, in, those, in those kids turning back around. It's, it's hard not to see or, or to read into the sermon and, and know what the Sunday school answer to this whole problem is. Of course, it's put your hope in God. That's right. We need to, to put our hope in God. If I were sitting out there today and instead of sitting up here or standing up here or whatever I, I happen to be doing, I would be I would be thinking to myself, okay, I, I know I know the Sunday school answer to this. Let's put our hope in God. Okay, what else is there? You're right. But wait a minute, okay? If you if you sat in church long enough, and uh, if you've been a believer long enough, then you know that uh, we can't put our hope in things like this. So what do we do? How do we how do we fix this? The problem that believers have is sometimes making Christianity practical. In our lives, it's easy for me to say that you need to put your hope in God and it's, it's not in the things of this world. That's easy. But how do you make it practical that you will actually put your hope in God and not in the things of this world? That's the tricky part. Well, I don't want you to try to define my wishes with the last part of this series, but I want you to go with me today and see if there's error in your ways. Or maybe you'll see that there's justification to keep living the way that you're living. Uh, I believe that God has some good things to say today. And I've been praying, and others have been praying, that revelation would come to you and uh, to help you put your, your hope in God. Let's throw out a definition real quick. Of course, I always like to be in the habit of, of throwing out the definitions so that we're all clear on what we're talking about. This is Andy Stanley's definition of hope. Hope is a thing or a person or persons where your expectations are centered. Your expectations are on certain things or somebody or a group of somebodies. Your expectations are centered. Your expectations are bullseyed on something. We start out our, our life hoping on somebody. And uh, as you were a baby, you, uh, you hoped that your parents would take that oh so subtle hint of crying that you need to be changed or you need to be fed. You're hoping in somebody. You grow a little older and uh, you hope that your mom makes that sopapilla cheesecake for dessert. And I'm hoping that somebody takes the hint and blesses the poor family next door with, with a sopapilla cheesecake this Christmas holiday. I'm hoping in something, right? No, I'm just kidding. Please don't. 
my wife will get mad. We start out in life placing our hope in people. As we grow older, we start to realize that the things that we hope for fail us. And uh, because they're not centered on God. We really don't even think about hope until that hope is no longer secure anymore. It's trial and error our whole life. And we actually, until we actually realize that our hope in God is the answer all along. Psalm 33:22 says, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. For some reason, we have a real hard time placing our hope in God. Even though the Bible tells us to put our hope in God, it's still hard for us. We're told our whole lives how to do things right. I tell, you, I tell the youth all the time that the, the things I've learned over my short adult life, I tell them how important it is to, to get an education, how important it is to save your money, how important it is to match your clothes. I say these things because I've personally seen the benefits of these things, especially matching your clothes. No, no. My parents were older in life, and they taught me these things, and I, as an adolescent, tried these things out for myself, and then uh, as an adult, I tried and I tested these things. My parents told me to get a degree, and uh, they said, if you want to be a minister, then you need to go get a a college degree, a bachelor's degree, and something uh, that you can fall back upon, so that in case you ever need it, in case that... Uh, somebody's looking for, uh, for just, you know, with just a, a basic degree to get a job to fall back on, that you'll have it, right? Well, my parents were right. Uh, in, the, in the 11 years since I graduated college, I've uh, definitely seen the benefits of, of having that bachelor's degree. But my question is, why put your hope in a degree? I hope to get my degree so that I can get a better job, make more money, Right? Maybe uh, having the stature of, of being a learned man, of the respect for my homies, the admiring eye of the ladies. Yeah, maybe. But how about this? You put your hope in God, who starts putting the desire in you, in your heart, to get that degree. You keep your hope in God, uh, who helps you stay healthy and strong during those all-night study sessions those term paper writing sessions that last all night because the paper happens to be due the next morning. You put your hope in God who provides just the divine moment that you meet your future spouse who happens to be going to the same school that you did, that you prayed over so much, so long, and put your hope in God to, to make the right decisions. You put your hope in God who started to show you all these things you accomplished and how faithful he was the whole time by landing the good job. And before that, because I skipped ahead in my notes, <laughs> you put your hope in God who sees you through graduation before you get that job, where you finally get that much-needed approval from that dad who was so tough on you growing up because he wanted you to have the things that he didn't have. He wanted you to accomplish more. And then you get that job. And you see that God provided all of this. If your hope is in a degree if the center of your expectations is getting that degree, you're going to be disappointed. Most of us that have degrees don't even work in the same field that we got our degrees in. One day you'll realize that you put your hope, what you put your hope in will fail. And they're not centered on the one who created the things you're actually hoping for. 
Let's hope I don't cut my hand. Worthless. Worthless. Let's just get rid of this whole degree thing altogether, right? That will fail you. It's worthless outside of God. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 20. Paul is explaining how our thoughts are headed for failure when we place our hope in anything other than God. Paul refers to the believers in the following verses as creation. Verse 20, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Let me give you some background uh, to the text before we delve in any further. In the beginning, according to Genesis, Adam and Eve were in perfect fellowship with God. Their lives were intertwined with God. Their hope for the future was in God. Everything was great. Then they sinned. From that point on, everything changed. Verse 20 says, and this is on your listening guide, creation was subjected to frustration because of sin. Another version says that creation was subjected to futility or a useless gesture. You see, we tend to view sin as, as an incident or, uh, or an action, but the Bible describes it as a disease that is toxic. We read about Adam and Eve, and uh, we, we read about them doing something, an, an action that we call sin. But what really happened was Adam opened the door for a toxic disease to pervade this world. Verse 21 says that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Paul is saying that when our hope is in God, where it needs to be, we're no longer in bondage to the other things that our hope was in. He goes so far as to say that the other things decay. Everything, this is on your listening guide, everything that is alive will die. Our hope in people and in relationships will die. We put our hope in a lot of things. Oh, I don't know, like a diet. We, uh, we put our hope in a lot of things like diet and thinking that, you know, it'll, it'll keep us healthy, make us strong. We let it uh, control our lives sometimes because we, we hope that that diet's going to keep us together and last longer, be healthy and strong, and that diet just seems to be the answer, right? Well, uh, our focus can't be on that diet because of this. Verse 21 says that the things that we put our hope in, other than God, decay. Oops. So, you can see why this may not be a good answer, because just as uh, our diet is... Oh, that's kind of gross, isn't it? Oh, that is pretty gross. I don't... That's pretty gross. Why would you want to put your hope in something that's gross? 
Something that's going to die and decay. Verses 22 through 25, the verses create in us a belief that there's something better. Our hope needs to be in something that's not of this world. Verse 22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Paul is talking about believing in something better. For in the hope we were saved, in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Then Paul goes on to say why we should have our hope in God and how, and when we put our hope in God, it all seems to work out. Verse 26, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes through us, through uh, through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God searches our hearts and sees the hope we have in Him. When we put our hope in God, He sees that we're in need. He sees the pain and how we desire for change, for peace, and for the bondage to be broken. And it says that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, begins to intercede for us. That means God's Spirit communicates those needs and those desires that the Spirit senses in us and then begins to communicate them to God by wordless groans. God then recognizes the groans of the Spirit as the things that are in accordance to His will. We put our hope in God, and He's got it all figured out. We put our hope in God, and the things that, that we don't even know that we need. It says right here that the, that the Spirit intercedes for us to God with wordless groans. We put our faith and our hope in God. And when we do that and we draw close to Him, He takes those desires of our hearts. That he, it actually says that He senses in us. The Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf. That's why we put our hope in God. You don't have to put your hope in those worldly things. You just have to put your hope in God. And all that stuff will take, take care of itself. God knows what you need. You hope in those things, but you hope in God first. We're going to skip forward a little bit to a familiar verse. Verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Basically, Paul is pointing out how silly it is to put your hope in in other things. Because it says, if God is for us, then who could be against us? So when you put your hope in God... There's, there's no answer to, to anything else other than God. You put your hope in Him and, and everything's answered. Verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. I lost my space. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. 
and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God, that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is all because you put your hope in him. I love this because it's in your face. We know as believers that our hope in things is ridiculous, but sometimes we forget who we're serving. This is the God that we're serving. Let's make it practical. Last Wednesday, I was talking to my brother who uh, lives in Arizona. He's been out of a job for a few months. And uh, he, uh, he, he got hired on with UPS. And I don't know how it works, but he went to training and was supposed to get back, uh, was supposed to come back and uh, start working. And they never called. And so for the past few weeks, he's gone through training. He's just waiting to get called. And so every few days he calls and he's like, uh, hey, what's going on? You know, what, what's taking so long? And, and they'll say, well, you know, we're, uh, we're just getting everything together. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a call on Monday. And then Monday comes and goes. And so he calls back and he's like, what's the deal? And they said, well, uh, well, we're, we're fixing to, to call some numbers and, and uh, just hang in there. We'll be with you in a little bit and, and everything. And so a few days go by and he calls and it's like, hello. You know, and they're like, they just keep pushing it back, pushing it back. And meanwhile, my brother needs a job. It's been a couple of months and hasn't been working. So, you know, basically he's looking just for about anything under the sun right now. And uh, so I told him that I was preaching on hope this week. And I told him what the sermon was about. And I told him that he can't have his hope in getting a job because it's going to fail him. He needs to keep his focus on God who provides the job. He said, well, that goes both ways. You can put your hope in God, but sometimes you don't get what you want. You catch that? Sometimes you don't get what you want. Well, uh, I was like, exactly. When your hope is, anything, is in anything other than God, your hope is in the things that you want. I told him the things that you want aren't always exactly what God wants for you. When you put your hope in God and you recognize that God is the giver of all things and you submit to him, your fellowship with him gets better. Your relationship with God gets better. And before you know it, the desires that you have or the aspirations that you have match the desires and the aspirations that God has for you. I want what God wants for me. And if that means that I have to suffer without a job for a little while, so be it. Because I know that my hope is in God, not my job. We just read about the things of this world, the hopes outside of God, and we saw that they're futile. The things of this world will die, they'll decay. The things of God will remain true. Sure, in the flesh, the searching for a, for a job can be futile and frustrating, but suddenly you remember that your hope and faith is in God. You've submitted to him. You know that all the while that you're searching for a job, 
You're in his hands the whole time. That's the name of the series, in God's hands. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it, does it say that as a believer that you're going to go without having, needing a job. It doesn't say that you're not going to have uh, a job or that you're not going to need a job. It doesn't say, doesn't say that. There's going to be times that we see things from our own perspective and from our own, uh, our own views and we don't see the abundant gifts in the life that God wants for us. I told my brother, I want what God wants for me. I've been in your situation, I told him. In 2008, I lost my job in March 2008 as a, as a sergeant in the police department in Houston. And for several months, I was looking for a job. And the thing that got me was that I had a great resume. As a police officer, the, the good thing about the department that I came from in Houston was that I got to go to a lot of trainings. And so because of that, I, I became an instructor for a lot of different things. I was a Homeland Defense instructor. I trained in, uh, some of the SWAT teams in Houston. I managed a SWAT team at my own department. I had a great resume. I went, I went to Richardson to test for their police department. And out of 200 applicants, I got the highest score. And you know what? I didn't get a job as a police officer. You know why? Because if I got a job as a police officer in, let's say, Richardson, then I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today, preaching. Because that's not what God had for me. And yeah, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating to not get a job like that. But I knew that God had something better. And he did. I just had to wait it out and be patient and know that my hope was in God. I'd much rather be suffering on my own than be out of God's will. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, James, well, you know what? The, the doors were already closed for you. You weren't necessarily seeking God's will. It pretty much was just put in your lap. Well, uh, not true. Every six months since March of 2008, I've been offered a sergeant position in Houston, making more money than, than I've made in two years. But I don't want those things because I'd much rather be in God's will. Can, can you imagine trying to do it outside of God's will? I can't even imagine if I took that job down there knowing that that's not what God had. It would be miserable. But my hope was in him all along. I'm reminded of a scripture that, that the youth are probably getting sick and tired of because I been talking about it like every Wednesday for the past two months. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. And this is Paul speaking again, okay? Paul really sums up the whole hope thing in these next couple of verses. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. And he's talking about his life here, okay? He's talking about his life. But we'll have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says he doesn't want to be ashamed of his life. He says he doesn't want to get up to, to meet God and stand before him and give an account for his life and be ashamed at what he's lived for or what he's hoped for. He's saying that Christ is his every thought that the center of his expectations 
is focused on God. He continues in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. How does Paul make Christ look great? By experiencing Christ as such a treasure that everything else in life is nothing in comparison. Paul counted everything as loss. He considered money as loss to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. He considered food. Can you imagine considering food a loss? He considered food as a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. He considered friends as loss. Considered family as loss. He considered his job a loss. Can you see that that Paul had his hope in the right thing? The only goal in his life at, at this point was just Christ. The only thing. But James, I want a spouse. I want to I want to find that love in a person. I hope for a wife. I hope for somebody to spend my time with. That person will fail you. That pretty face will fail you. Dude, she looks good at 20 years old, but what is she going to look like at 80? <laughs> looks fade. When he gets old enough, he's not even going to remember you. Our bodies decay. Don't put your hope in things that are going to fail you. Don't put your hope in things that are going to decay. That's not what it's about. Put everything, everything in God. How's that for a Sunday school answer? Our every thought and hope needs to be so centrally located in God, in Christ, that everything else is considered loss. Our life is Christ. So, what are you going to put your hope in? I want you to take your, uh, your registration cards. And I want you to flip it over. And what I want you to do is I want you to write down the things that you've been putting your hope in apart from God. Okay, I'll give you a second to do that. Put those things that uh, you've been hoping for and not really giving to God. And then if you've decided to trust God and to put your hope in God for those things, I want you to put a slash through it just like this. Slash it as a symbol that you're going to give it to God. That your hope is in God and not in those things. I pray that you... uh, that you do this. It's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. It's, it's really tough to not hope 
for things in this world. But I'm telling you, just as Paul did, man, when you get, when you get so centrally located on Christ, that, that becomes your every thought, that everything else seems to, to just be dead to you, that everything's a loss to you, then everything's going to be great. 